You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Picking up on your lead-in from last week, I'm going to give you a quiz. Okay. You have to name these three people. I'm feeling very good uh, about this. And uh, and then and then you have to answer a question. This person. Oh man, this is so embarrassing. Oh, that's the mayor of New York, is it? Correct. You know that's not fair. You know because if you know what happens <laughs> to white people who get one black person mixed exactly. up with another black person, you were going to say, exactly. "Oh, do they all look alike to you?" That's what you're going to say, right? Don't even have to say it, Bob. Is this an all-black person <laughs> quiz, Mickey? Yes. I'll give you an easy one. Here's an easy one. His name is Adams, by the way. Uh, let's see. Is his last name Obama? Correct. Um, and now the tiebreaker. You probably won't get this. It's, I have seen the face. It's Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader of the House. Ah, uh, um, yes. Uh, and the question is, if you think Kamala Harris is unsuited for the presidency, which I think she is, and uh, if uh, you think the politics of the day require her to be replaced by another African-American person, which of these African-American people should Biden pick? I'm going to cast a write-in vote for Cory Booker. Uh, that's you're ducking the question. No, but that's a good vote. It's a trick question. It's not as good a vote as the right answer to this quiz. What, you think Barack Obama should run again? Yes. <laughs> the obvious answer. Okay, I'm up for that. All the 22nd Amendment says is no man shall be elected to the presidency more than twice. If he runs for vice president and happens to succeed to the presidency, he hasn't been elected to the presidency, he's satisfied the 22nd Amendment. So he can run as Biden's partner. I see. Uh, and it has the virtue of reassuring voters that should something happen to Biden, the country would be in, in okay hands, and it would drive Biden crazy because he has a very testy relationship with Obama and really wouldn't want to run depend on him for mm -hmm. his re-election. But it would... It would be pretty great for Biden's re-election. My, yeah. my second choice, go ahead. Yeah. I've heard worse I, ideas, I guess, but what I want, of course, is an actual substitute for Biden at the top of the ticket. That's, that's what I think of Cory Booker for. But this is, Biden would be a much better president than Cory Booker. Well, not if I he's mean, not in the White House. And Cory Booker would get into the White House. Almost anybody against Trump will get into the White House with the possible exception of Joe Biden. Well, you're assuming that the opponent's going to be Trump, Bob. You're buying That's the, the most likely. You're buying the press CW that DeSantis is limping to the starting line next week. Uh, there, there are there, there, there is a case to be made that he's in worse shape than he was, uh, you know, a, a few uh, a few weeks ago. But there are some polls showing that he does better than Biden in Arizona and other swing states. He's followed by in the national polls, but historically, it's very early if somebody's losing by by 50 to 18, as he is in some polls, mm -hmm. you can come back from that very early, uh, especially since Trump is sort of virtually an incumbent and people don't really know DeSantis that well. But, you know, some of those anti-DeSantis stories are completely bogus. One is this Disney thing. Well, Disney, as part of its war with DeSantis, has canceled a plan to transfer 2,000 of its employees to Florida and house them in a big complex in Orlando. Uh, but, you know, just last week I was reading an interview with Peter Thiel with, with Barry Weiss, which I highly recommend, where he says, it doesn't make any sense to move to Florida anymore. Real estate prices are too high. Nobody wants to come because they can't sell their old house and they'd have to buy a new inflated house. This, this, is, a, this is a dinky marginal issue anyway. This is not the reason the he's not going to get elected. Well, of course, they, I mean, they, yeah, they probably don't like him, but that's not the problem. The problem is nobody who spends more than 10 minutes with him wants him to be president, including potential donors. Yeah, and, he, and, he, and it turns out he doesn't have charisma. He doesn't have a sense of humor. You know, there's a funny thing about him and Trump. Trump, so far as I know, has never, ever laughed. He doesn't even pretend to laugh. And 
And DeSantis, so far as I know, has no sense of humor. Trump actually has a sense of humor, but he never laughs, which is super weird when you think about it. I think I think DeSantis has a, a sense of humor. It's just it's just very quiet. hard to it, trigger. It must be. <laughs> it's like Trump's laugh. We know it's in there somewhere. Well, it's just real never comics, real comics don't laugh that much. You know, the most a lot of them. <laughs> no, they don't. You know that. Okay, you remember that's that. That's a good defense of Trump. But what about DeSantis? I'm not I'm defending them. I don't want I'm to. I'm a good example. I, People don't understand. I'm a laugh riot. They think just because I don't smile, I'm not funny. Wrong. I'm hilarious. Now, that's the key to your humor. It's Among like, others? It's like, it's like, it's like Jackie Mason. You know, once, once he came to the New Republic and somebody cracked a joke and he, he went, that's funny. He didn't laugh. So that's what most comedians do. That's funny. Uh, And so uh, maybe DeSantis is a professional comedian. He's just storing it all up for. Maybe he should pursue that line of work because politics is not going to work out for him beyond that. It's it's working out pretty well in Florida. Uh, But the point is that the real estate values are up because people want to live in DeSantis's Florida. Okay. That's a big reason real estate values are up. And that's why Disney isn't making the move. So anyway, it's the press is obviously anti DeSantis. They're you're right. They're blowing up this not very significant thing. Uh, you know, the, Trump has a pretty tough road to hoe uh, in terms of various indictments, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I doubt any of them will puncture him. But um, you know, mm-hmm. at some point, at some point, some voters may buy the line. And Ramesh Panur has a point that the electability argument won't work which I agree with, except at some point the voters say, you know, I love Trump, but what they've done to him is terrible and we have to pick another horse. It's not, uh, they, the electability argument is going to turn anybody off Trump, but it might peel away some people who love Trump. Mm. Well, anyway, I also just, think Joe Biden's a very risky candidate against virtually any Republican. It's just that I'm not as terrified of him losing if, if Trump isn't the opponent. Um, but, so you there know, you go. You just admitted you'd rather have him running, you, you, you're okay with DeSantis as president. In a way no, I said I'm not, not okay with as, Trump. I said I'm not as uh, terrified. Okay. Now, just quickly, you'll like this, you know, I actually finally read one of these stories about this money that's been flowing that, to the Biden family. Yeah. And this is just a good example of a little thing that could blow up on Biden. I mean, this is the thing about Biden. There's a lot of things that could head south for him before the election, right? The economy could, the Ukraine war could, uh, and this story could. And it's like none of them could have great upside. The economy's not going to be great. Ukraine war is not going to be magically solved. Uh, and and uh, even if there's a ceasefire. And uh, and this thing, so uh, there's a there's this guy uh, from from where? From Romania or something? Yeah, Romanian guy. He's he's actually been convicted of bribery. He he sends Three million dollars, I guess, to this uh, LLC controlled by Hunter Hunter Biden and uh, a, a business partner, and then money from those from that is distributed to several Biden family members, and then there's a Chinese equivalent of this. I I know you know all this. I hadn't really looked into it. It's like pretty weird. And and, yes. and, and this is a, this is what the New York Times said: no evidence against Biden. Well, there isn't, strictly speaking, but it's kind it's of evidence. Funny. It's not conclusive evidence, suggestive evidence. Yeah, since he's the one who was compelled by virtue of his office to make his financial records public. And, and, and wouldn't you know it, this money goes to everyone related to him who's not under that obligation. It's, it's kind of weird. And so it's a bad look to begin with. And who knows? Something could come out. That's what I mean. It's just like. There's all these coin flips for Biden that could go the wrong way. And there's almost no such thing as them going the right way in the sense that there's no big upside. He And, the, no. and his, age, his age is, of course, another one. Maybe he'll get through the whole election without a super bad senior moment. Maybe not. Hey, compared to Dianne Feinstein, he looks like, uh, you know. Excellent know. bumper sticker. Not Feinstein. <laughs> Vote Joe. He's not Dianne Feinstein. Uh, He's not Fetterman either, for that matter. Um, I can't watch the videos of Fetterman. I'm sorry. I, I haven't was, in a while. I was, was going to say they should, you know, they should just they should let them stay be stay senators as long as they disclose who is doing the actual business of being senator. 
Except with Feinstein, I think she actually is senator. With Fetterman, I think somebody else is running the show. Uh, you think so. she is? You think she's there? She's together enough? I think she makes the decision. Yeah, she's cantankerous, and she's that. You know, she looks like she's in charge. She's deluded sometimes, but she's making the decision. Uh, I don't think they. I don't think they just put a paper under her pen and move. So her at hand. this point, no one is gonna like talk to her. No one who's it. Oh no! Influence? I think she. I think she's gonna get. Uh, my prediction would be she has to resign. Who? But who's going to make this? New York Times story was pretty bad. Uh, not, yeah, she seems impervious they're, in they're, this stuff. They're, they're out to get her, but uh, your boy Ro Khanna especially. Uh, you know, I knew her daughter in sixth grade. I should reach out, renew our renew our acquaintanceship. At some point, they get to her. Her consultant is Bill Carrick. He's a very sensible man. He's, he's going to resist... Uh, you know, phony attempts to push her out, but when there's a real attempt, when she's really incapable, he's gonna convince her. I think. So Rokana, he, con he convinced Eric Garcetti not to run for president. So Rokana, by the way, is another POC who would make an excellent successor to Joe Biden in 2024. The wrong color C. Wrong kind <laughs> of C. The wrong C. You mean the wrong C? Uh, why? What's wrong with that? Elaborate, Mickey. Let's see how much trouble you can get he, into. Biden wants the black vote, and the black uh, vote is not moved by uh, an Indian from Silicon Valley. I'm sorry. That, that Even Barack Obama had trouble with not being the right kind of black person. That's where Michelle came in. Michelle was more of a, you know, uh, what's the word? <laughs> I'm not helping you out. I don't know. You uh, get out of this. What is the word, newcomer. Uh, they, um, there is a word, there's an official word for it, but, um, the people who got is, the reparations, is it, is it not an Oreo? Is that the term you're looking for, Mickey? No, they didn't want to use an Oreo. He was, he was, but he was an, a guy whose father came over, whose blackness was because his father came over from Africa very recently. He wasn't somebody who'd grown up in America. Oh, I see. Oh, I don't uh, think that, I don't think that counts against him. I do. Um, and Michelle was the opposite. So Michelle provided the necessary um, longevity in the United States. There is a word for it. Um, so uh, uh, the, so anyway, but um, the key point that Halpern, that Mark Halpern made, and he had a whole case against DeSantis, and he correctly says that the problem is Trump, Trump talks in poetry and DeSantis talks in prose. That's a nice way of putting it. Uh, but, you know, DeSantis can talk about the issues. They're all saying... His only issue is electability. No, he can talk about the issues and he can, if he ever gets on stage with Trump, he can beat Trump with the issues. He may never get on stage with him. That's the problem. Uh, anyway, Halpern says if DeSantis wins Iowa and New Hampshire, he will be the nominee, even after pissing on him. And I, I sort of think, you know, I think that's optimistic for DeSantis because even if Trump loses Iowa and New Hampshire, the media so wants him that they will keep Trump alive and keep pissing on DeSantis, and Trump won't give up. So I think Halpern's wrong, but it does show that he has a shot. I hate to be a champion of the Iowa caucuses, which is a horrible excrescence on the face of democracy that I thought we'd gotten rid of when they couldn't name oh, the winner I thought they had gotten times. rid of it. Is, it. is that still first? I thought It's they still first for the Republicans. I don't know about for oh, the Democrats. Oh, for the Republicans, okay. Uh, and uh, so, yes, uh, the... Um, there's still going to be a race in Iowa, and DeSantis has been out in Iowa, you know, pressing the flesh and as much as he can. And don't you feel for a guy who's that misogynistic that he can't look people in the eye? I mean, that's, that's thoughts, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, the guy has a the guy has a distinct view of humanity. Uh, anyway, I I'm still on the DeSantis train. I don't. I look at the other people. Not that exciting. Chris Christie's, Chris Christie's going to run. Yunkins putting up campaign videos. He says he's not going to run. Uh, yeah, but Chris Christie could do damage to Trump. That's I just want him to go in there and do the suicide bombing. But he, and, yeah, well, he, that'd be not great. Literally, but what? That would be, that would be great. But I, you know, I'm sure he actually wants to be president. Uh, there's the, there's, there's a, there's a newcomer, Bob. Oh, who's a, that? A, a new candidate. And I'm going to ask you to identify him. Uh, hang on. Uh, he's a software Presumably white since it's a Republican. He's white. He's yeah. well, no, we have Tim Scott. He's running too. Uh, 
so there. This is not Tim Scott. I can rule that out. It's not Tim Scott. Thank you uh, for that. Sure. Um, Increases my chances of getting it right. Should you ever present me with the picture, which could happen any moment now. There it is. Damn, I have seen that face. He looks like somebody you know, doesn't he? Yeah, but maybe I haven't. Who is it? It is. Uh, you don't even know? Mickey, this is ridiculous. It's, it, he has some name like... It, Mickey, you're grading uh, the test. You have to have the answers. Governor Bergen of, of North Dakota, I believe. Oh, I don't think I have ever seen him. Okay. Uh, and he's been reelected. He's popular. I know nothing else about him. He's a fiscal yeah. conservative. And he's making he's noises about running. Is he a Trumpist? Is he a? He's he's, he... he's he's announcing. He's basically leaking that he's thinking about running. And is he? What's ideologically? What what is he? He's a Trumpist. He seems no. He seems more like a conventional Republican. Well, then he can't get the thing right. He can't. It depends what he says. He's a blank slate. If he says he's not what he is, he could he could get the nomination. Well, maybe he's left the door open for being. You know, North Dakota doesn't have a big border with Mexico, so mm -hmm. may not be issue number one. Maybe he he has a clean slate. He hasn't. He has no paper trail on that. You mean? He may. I I don't know what his paper trail is. He hasn't had to vote on social security. Certainly. Mm. Anyway, he's he's uh, because he's a blank slate. Nobody hates him. I guess. Right. Uh. Anyway, hey, Mickey, I have a quiz for you. What was the, what was the development? Of, the Senate had these AI hearings, right? Sam Altman, right. Uh, head of OpenAI, right. and a couple of other people. Uh, what would you say, from my point of view, the big development was? Uh, Ro Khanna was involved? No. But again, uh, Ro Khanna for president, now that you mention it. Well, um, I, uh, the, the headline was that, that Altman called out for regulation. The predictable response from the right is, sure, you're the market leader you want to regulate so everybody else is kept out of the market. And my response is, AI is going to destroy humanity if if cartelizing the industry into four or five big players is the only thing that lets us control what goes on, I'm for cartelizing the industry. I don't care if it results in monopoly profits or slows the progress of AI because the progress of AI is what's going to kill us. So if we let a thousand flowers bloom, one of those thousand flowers is going to destroy us. We don't want to let a thousand flowers bloom. You haven't touched on what the big news was from my point of view. Um, they it, they he, railed against he, the Twitter blue check system. No, he actually came out in favor of international regulation. I mean, he he brought up the IAEA as an example. So now both he and Sundar Pichai are on record as saying this issue cannot be handled only at the national level. What's the IAEA? Uh, international Atomic Energy Agency. Is and that the agency that they always bring up as the model for controlling AI? Well, it's what they have brought up. I don't know that it's the best model. The main thing is just that it's uh, an international acronym. At this point, that's the main thing is to get people thinking internationally. He kind of backed off of that a little bit later. But the point is, it's very much in the conversation. It really is. And in fact, the guy, one of the guys sitting next to him, one of the three witnesses, Gary Marcus, had also brought up the IAEA, whatever, in a, in a piece he'd written for The Economist some weeks earlier. Um, so it's very much out there. And the truth is, you know, this cannot be handled only at the national level. There will be important national legislation. Well, there, there's there, there are two developments related to China, which would be one of the one, if not the biggest player we'd want to <coughs> rope into this international yeah. deal. Mm -hmm. uh, first, Jake Sullivan met with a Chinese guy in Vienna and, and apparently had a very constructive meeting, uh, figuring out how to how to cool things down and have a rapprochement. Presumably, this is one of the issues they talked about. Uh, maybe not. Uh, and the second thing is, China has apparently semi-definitively decided it wants to be secure more than it wants foreign investment, and it's cracking down on uh, cracking down on foreign investment. You know, subjecting them to various espionage searches and making it difficult for business. And usually, they would then rush out and say, oh, but we want your, you know, we want to be friendly, we want to be open, and they haven't done that. So they don't want to be friendly, they don't want to be open. That has two implications for that I can see. One is Bob Wright may be right, and the Chinese may be worried that unbridled capitalism leads to democracy and freedom, and they don't want that. So then the second thing is that 
they're going to have to develop AI on their own, which may mean that it'll be a worse AI, or may mean that uh, it will be harder to control or easier to control, or they may decide to screw the rest of the world and, and, and not participate. Um, but it clearly has big, bigger implications than if they were just, it has some implications. I just don't know what they are. Yeah. Well, as for the Jake Sullivan meeting, I think that's not the only sign that the Biden administration has started to think they've overdone it on the China hawkishness. And that's good. Um, as for the, the uh, she seeming to prefer control to unbridled international commerce, it's the same with the domestic economy. You know, he's been hard on uh, on the, the on entrepreneurs uh, on the big time, the powerful capitalists in China, once they seem to get a little bit uppity, you know, and, and, and people just think he's not creating a great environment for continued prosperity. And I do think that's a trade-off he faces is, is uh, and to the extent that he wants control, uh, he's going to have to sacrifice prosperity probably. Um, this is, yeah. Th th this is a point that, this is, fits in with a point that Peter Thiel makes in the aforementioned interview with Barry Weiss, which, I I, just, I I recommend it to you not just to torture you because I know you're yeah. a big fans of both, but well, uh, but uh, because it's a very good interview. He's given hundreds of interviews. It's just one of them. It's the one I've heard. He says, you know, it's going to. He basically says it's going to be easier to have a. He wouldn't call it a cold war, but to confront China because you know China versus the U.S. China sort of seems to win because they have more people and they'll have a high, higher, more potential for growth and, uh, but. He postulates it's China versus the world, and China is going to shrink to 700 million people, and the world is going to grow to 10 billion people. So it's 10 billion versus 700 million. And if China is also not growing at the same rate and not prospering, they're in even worse shape. And I can't believe Xi doesn't see this. So what the hell is he going to do about it? I think maybe the answer is he has to strike now before it gets worse. Strike in the sense of what? Invade Taiwan? Taiwan, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that would get him out of the problem that Teal seems to think he's in, but I'm not sure he's in it. I think they're smart enough to maintain good relations uh, with more than zero nations. Um, <laughs> well, the Belt and Road Initiative isn't helping them. All the nations that are, owe them money are now really pissed off at them because they don't cut them any slack and they make them pay in cash ahead of other creditors. And they're beginning to regret that they ever joined the Belt and Road Initiative, and uh, Italy is one of them, I believe. They're about to pull out. Some are. I'm not that up in that, but I, but they're getting pushed back. I, I mean, I think they've overdone the hawkishness for sure, and I'm not sure if they're starting to see it. But you know, on the on the AI, I kind of think they will regionally. They've gotten a, a certain amount of uh, blowback uh, from countries. I think they're taking some of that into account. But on the AI thing. One point I made in today's non-zero newsletter, just parenthetically in the in the course of my piece on AI, is th that I haven't heard discussed at all, is that, um, you know, what Biden is doing now on AI is uh, with these export controls and with leverage that more or less coerces other countries into uh, imposing export controls. Uh, he's denying China the most high-powered microchips uh as well as the most sophisticated equipment it would need to make its own um and i just i don't think people realize this increases china's incentive to invade taiwan at least in the following sense uh you know one thing people say, one reason people have thought, well, China wouldn't invade Taiwan because they know that as a last resort, the U.S. would bomb uh, Taiwan's chip uh, factory, their foundry, the, the uh, what is it, TSMC. Um, no, it's TSCM. Uh, and this makes China less concerned about that because now, because of these export controls, China's getting less in the way of chips from that factory anyway. In other words, so if that factory goes kablooey, it hurts China less than it would have hurt China before these export controls. Uh, it makes China more attracted to the idea uh, of controlling Taiwan and therefore, you know, 
either controlling the foundry itself if they get lucky and it doesn't get blown up, or worst case, foundry gets blown up, but they still control this island with all this know-how about how to make advanced chips. So it it on both sides of the equation, it's increasing. I as I understand it, maybe there's a counter argument. It's increasing the chances that China will invade Taiwan. How do you coerce the knowledge workers into working for China if they hate China? Well, China is now the government. Uh, right. And, and uh, first of all, China's been known to use coercive measures, but I doubt they'd have to resort to that. You know, people are very flexible. Your country gets conquered. There's a new government. Most people don't join the resistance. Most people ask, how can I tell make the best of this bad situation? Tell it to Zelensky. Well, no, his country did not get taken over. He rebuffed an invasion. You don't, you don't think that it, when their country get when if Ukraine got taken over by Moscow, the Ukrainians might make it a little difficult for Moscow. Did Some Iran would. Did the, the Iraqis make it a little difficult for the United States? I think so. Actually, the vast majority didn't, and the vast majority wouldn't in Ukraine. The, the resistance is usually a, a small number of people, and it's usually not people who are accustomed to making a million dollars a year. I mean, is that what me, chip scientists mean? If they're whatever they're making, how many not, of the million dollar a year people they can get on a plane and get out of there before the Chinese come? Well, not if it's a surprise. I don't know. We'll see. But but I'm just saying it, I'm 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 not even asking like what exactly would happen. I'm asking what is China thinking that could happen? You know, Putin, well, aren't they it doesn't also matter that Putin turned out couldn't successfully invade. He thought he could. That's what governed his decision. Aren't they? Aren't they also? Um, uh, with China who has now has that example to look to, but aren't they also motivated to invade now because to get the chip factory before it's all, you know, seed chip? I mean, we're aware of this, and we're trying to set up branches of this company in other countries, and you know, uh, China wants to invade now before that happens, and while they still have the, the as much of the company as possible in Taiwan. Well, I, I don't I don't think they have illusions about keeping the know-how from reaching other countries. They would just like some access to the products, and we're denying not we're we're not denying them all chips by any means, but we are denying them the cutting edge chips. Uh, my main point is you kind of got the vibe. Let's get back to these hearings. You kind of got the vibe that like Lindsey Graham, you know, brought up China and he was kind of skeptical of this idea of an international organization, it sounded like. And he's like, we're going to have to deal with China one way or another. We got the idea that what Biden's doing, except maybe a stronger version of it, is probably Lindsey Graham's idea of how you handle China on the AI front, assuming his idea is not that you just bomb the shit out of him, which it may be. Um, and I'm just saying that's not a long term solution. China is going to find a way to develop an indigenous capacity to make this stuff now that we're denying it. Uh, to them. And I'm also saying that in the near term, uh, doing this is dangerous. My belief is as hard as it's going to be, we're going to have to bring China into the discussion and whatever international arrangement we have. And it's going to be super challenging. This is both domestically and internationally. This is the biggest regulatory challenge in the history of humankind. It may not be doable. It may not be doable. We may be doomed. I don't know. But it, it's going to we're just going to have to set aside a lot of our current priorities and uh, and and focus on this is my view. There are some people who are. Uh, of course, most people aren't even optimistic about our ability to control it, even if it was just within the United States. But there are some right. people who are optimistic. Are, are there I, I haven't read their articles, but there are a bunch of articles out there about Here's how we can control AI. It's really not that bad. And uh, uh, are they applicable to the international stage? That's what I want, would want to know. Well, you're right. It's hard enough on uh, the domestic stage. You don't have to answer it, that. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I will say there's a related point I want to make. It's like, I mean, first of all, Sam Altman totally charmed these senators, Democrats and Republicans alike, for the most part. Not uh, a guy you want to piss off, you know? Well, that's not the way they should be thinking about this if they're doing their jobs it's as like, public service. It's like the most, the, the <laughs> scariest thing somebody ever told me is, hey, Mickey, I was editing your Wikipedia page last night. And Sal Malpin said, hey, hey, Bob, I was uh, programming AI, chat GPT, to, for what it says about you when people ask about you last night. And I, I don't hey, think- Hey, Senator I, Graham. Um, 
I, no. I doubt Sam Altman intervenes at that level. But but what I want to say is, so they were totally charmed. They always intervene and, at that level. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think OpenAI does. Uh, and um, uh, Elon Musk does. Uh, right. Well, he's one of them. He, he's a petty juvenile. No, 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 he's not. These are these are actual adult human beings. These are mature adult human beings running OpenAI. Say what you will. They're not Elon Musk. They're 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 well, they're normal people. Um, well, they but, still say I'm a movie producer and have written several books. So they didn't. But they didn't my, single my, you right, out. They're on my right side now. I've, they didn't I've single my, you. <laughs> I have my friends that's, in high places. That's the bot talking, not the people who run the company. Now. Let me just finish. Uh, I think it's a bad sign that they didn't ask him more challenging questions. Now, I've only listened to the first two thirds of this, but I'm pretty sure they never got around to this. Uh, you know, they were so wowed that he's inviting regulation. They're like, you're on our side. I mean, if they really understood how challenging this is, a question I think they might have asked is, and I hope I've got these facts right. I should have done a little fact checking, but my understanding is, OpenAI chose to put out an API, which basically allows app makers to build on your platform. And I believe that it's as a result of that that people started making these so-called agents, which, you know, and maybe it's an oversimplification to say, but they not only agents, not only say things, they do things. You give them tasks and they go uh, do them and then assess the results and do more and do more. And right away when people, some people, the, the kind of, you know, the catastrophists, the doomers, when, when they saw this, they said, oh, my God, we're like months away from somebody turning this into this incredibly powerful hacking machine and, uh, that, that uh, destroys the entire infrastructure of computers in, in the world or something. My, my point is, uh, a good question for Sam Altman would have been, if you are as concerned as you say you are and as cognizant of the risks as you say you right. are, don't you think you should have paused before you even issued the API and said, let's have a national conversation. Is this a good idea to take the most right. powerful AI in the history of the universe, at least that's interacted with the public, and just put an AI API on it and say, now, again, I will be super embarrassed if I'm wrong and, there, and like there is no API or it had nothing to do with those agent things. But I think this is what happened. And... uh you know, he's just not getting those kinds of questions, which means all of these senators and all of their staffers together have, have I think, not really given much thought to this. Like they're all like like the, the kinds of questions they ask is like the senator for Tennessee asked uh, if AI would infringe on the intellectual property rights of Garth Brooks. OK, okay. this is the kind of thing they're concerned about. Um, hope it does. The. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess. If this were ordinary software, you would say he's releasing the API for a version of some bit of software that's going to be obsolete in 10 years or four years. Not that bad. I have a feeling AI is a little different. You can build from chat GPT into something much, much, much more powerful. Uh, so the release is worse than if he just, you know, if he's releasing Windows Vista to the world. Well, nobody uses Windows Vista, so who gives a shit, right? Nobody ever could use it. Right, exactly. Uh, so um, maybe that maybe that's the trick. We give Chinese the Chinese our secret software, but it's really Windows Vista. Uh, I say we put Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer in charge of all the AI, and we don't have to worry right. about it ever becoming usable. Um, the, so, the, uh, well, go ahead. Did you know the answer to my question? No. No, I, no, I mean, I think, first of all, GPT-4, and I think that's what the API is for, is a super powerful thing. It's definitely not Windows Vista, uh, A. Now, B, you have this separate thing, and I think this is another thing that, that at least in the first two-thirds of the hearings, nobody brought up another indictment of, of these senators and their staff is that nobody brought up the escape of the llama. The the you know the fact that Facebook's AI, an acronym, an acronym that comes out as Llama, um, they apparently accidentally released. So so the whole model is out there. In effect, it's like open source. I guess it's it's like people are people have the model itself. I thought they, they purposely. I thought they purposely released it to anybody who they trusted who wrote the sent them an email. Well, 
it wasn't quite that bad. They claim that that everyone they gave it to had vowed, you know, they gave it to a select number of something or others, and they didn't mean it to be released in the wild. But this is a good example. Like, I mean, questions they should have asked this hearing is, wait, should a company like you be able to issue an API without federal uh, approval? And B, should Facebook have been allowed to hand out their model to anybody in particular without federal approval? I agree. I think it was really irresponsible and it was designed to cover up the failure of the metaverse. It was a good saying, distraction. Hey, hey, we have a lot of AI. Uh, I think the metaverse will be back. Yeah. It's only, well, it's only sleeping. The chief of, of nails uh, of the perch. Uh, well, I think the metaverse will happen in the end if we survive long enough. In fact, that's how the robots sedate us into impotence is in the metaverse. Good point. Yeah. Why now this is, you have to invent some screenwriter's gimmick for why they would want to sedate us as opposed to kill us. They're not a bad group of, of bots, Mickey. <laughs> um, they, they'll have so much power. We're, they'll, they're like, ah, let them live. Screw it. We're heading for, we're heading for Mars. And we're heading for another galaxy anyway. Anyway, um, look, I, I, by pets, the way, Sam pets. Altman, Sam Altman, very impressive, seems smart. So far as I can tell, well-intentioned, charming. I have nothing against him personally. But the fact that they weren't harder on, on just whoever that was sitting before them and didn't ask them more challenging questions is very alarming. I agree. I agree. I agree with everything you said. Good. Is that what you write about this week? No, I, I wrote about. I just wrote about the international aspect in the uh, in in today's in the Friday newsletter. Oh. Because uh, I was going to bust you for only listening to two thirds of the hearing. Long hearing and writing about it. Um, okay, well, I listened to the whole damn Peter Thiel interview, and it was slow going because they don't have a fast forward on their site, so you have to listen to it in real time. That's inexcusable. Tough. Tough. Um, so, what else do we got? We have um, uh, uh, Elon we, Musk goes after we, George we have, Soros. My line on that is. Yes, Elon Musk is super weird, and what he said is crazy and ridiculous. Uh, I wouldn't say it was anti-Semitic. It was just crazy and ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I don't think every attack on Soros is anti-Semitic, but um, I, I don't know about Magneto. There's a long essay somewhere, I think Vox, about how, what the role Magneto plays in internal Jewish politics after the Holocaust. And, uh, I don't, so don't want to go, is a, I don't is, go he's into a, it. Wait, is he a character in Transformers or what? He's Magneto's a comic know, book he's, character. He's a Marvel hero. character created by the Jews at Marvel. So it's not anti-Semitic, but it was waging some as we say, it, the Jews at it Marvel. Was, yeah. It was waging some sort of internal doctrinal fight against other Jews elsewhere. Um so uh, what do I know? Um anyway, he, Magneto, as I saw the exchange, some guy talking to must brought up Magneto and must just more or less ignored that and just and this went on to his Soros wants to destroy humanity. It was almost that extreme. It was crazy. It was just crazy. There was also some Taylor Lorenz dust up. Do you know that Taylor Lorenz's uncle owns the Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine? Oh, really? And I, think, nice, he denies, nice to I think he denies ever interacting with her or something. So I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want them to go after me. But um, there was some interaction with Musk about, about, about the Wayback Machine Taylor, and Taylor Lorenz. I don't know what it is. Um, I would never say anything bad about Taylor Lorenz. She's the finest American I've ever known. You want a quick bo bo uh, Ukraine Yeah, update? we have Ukraine. They're, okay. they're, they're going to get F-16s from somebody. It's looking like they will eventually, which is weird because, first of all, um, okay, that's our little, uh, that's our little warning bell. The, um, I'll snooze it for five minutes. The, um, you know, I was listening to this I told you I was listening to this podcast with this like super expert on like what planes Ukraine need. If somebody wants Ukraines to get advanced fighter jets, and he just said these F-16s are incredibly finicky. You got to build special runways for them in Ukraine, uh, and if you don't keep them meticulous, uh, you know it'll destroy them or something. But and and then somebody pointed out, yeah, and while they're building or at least revamping runways, it's going to be evident to Russia what these runways are, and they're going to bomb them. Russia has been very successful lately, by the way. Apparently, there have been at least a couple of examples of them bombing 
apparently big ammo dumps far away from the battle lines. Uh, so they can do this kind of stuff. Um, and so, I, I don't know, this guy said the jets they need are these Swedish jets. I don't understand why uh, why Biden's caving on the F-16s. Apparently, there are good reasons not to want them to have them. But anyway, yeah, they're getting those. They got a very big uh, German package, 30 tanks, over 100 other uh, armored vehicles, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah. There was an interesting Timothy Snyder column, and I hesitate to say that because I think Timothy Snyder is sort of one of the uh, more extreme fascism, fascism is coming to America people. But um, he, uh, he, po he pointed out that uh, he focused on the schism between this chef who runs the Wagner Group and, and Putin and the fact that we now have a schism within the Russian forces where, where the, the, I always mispronounce his name, so pronounce it correctly for Prigozhin. me. Prigozhin. Prigozhin sort of fancies himself now as an opposition to Putin, and he's basically gone almost all the way there. And No, he, I think he, that's exaggerated. And, and the point is, well, his point is that Putin, he thinks this is a pro-peace thing because Putin, the, there are two dangers for Putin. One is that he loses Ukraine and is humiliated. And, and, but the real threat to his power is that Prigozhin becomes a credible uh, you know, opponent within Russia, and he'd rather lose Ukraine than have Prigozhin, uh, than have the, you know, arm the Prigozhin people as a, as, as a now a potential adversary. So it's an argument for, well, he might pull out of Ukraine rather than empower Prigozhin, I guess. Uh, I'm not an expert on Russia's internal politics. I mean, a litmus test for this kind of analysis is, did Snyder say that Prigozhin had referred to Putin as a, quote, grandpa? Did he pull out that? Either because, grandpa or clown. Yeah, I, I think that's just wrong. I mean, he, he did not say that. About, he certainly didn't explicitly say it about Putin. And when he realized that some people had taken it that way, he tried to clarify and say, no, he was talking about this. Uh, he didn't name the person he was talking about, but we all know who it was. It was Gerasimov. And he made it clear that it was Gerasimov without naming him. So I, I, I don't know. He definitely has not chosen to declare war on Putin now. In declaring war on the military establishment, he may have overplayed his hands and Putin may now hate him and want to kill him for all I know, but he has not declared war on Putin. Um, the, uh, I will say, you know, on, on the, the longstanding Bakhmut question of was it really smart for Ukraine to pour so many resources and troops uh, into the probably futile attempt to hold on to that town. The one good thing that came out of it uh, from their point of view was ultimately this tension between Prigozhin and the military establishment, which had been evident months ago, but it really reached this new height where it definitely reached a point where Putin didn't like well, it. Well, according to the Discord leak, which everybody's condemning this racist uh, you know, guy for leaking it while they gleefully report the results of the leaks on the front page of their papers. Uh, one of the leaks was that Prigozhin had actually approached the Ukrainians yeah. and offered to give them the data on the Russian positions if they let him take Bakhmut. So they had, uh, that's obviously, they're not idiots. It's obviously tells them there's a potential schism between Prigozhin and the regular Russian government. So of course they would want to exploit it. It makes the, makes the Bakhmut decision seem yeah. a lot smarter than it looked to us uh, months ago, right? You mean that that leak? No, the fact the fact just the fact that it is promoting the schism. You what you just said. I'm, I'm, I'm reinforcing what you just said is they yeah, definitely I mean, knew. Look, they definitely knew. They didn't have to guess that they might provoke the schism. The schism uh, yeah, was staring them in the face. No, no, I, I think Bakhmut did promote the schism. I don't think that was Ukraine's plan, but that may be a welcome side effect. Uh, but this was months ago, so they've been they've been refusing to withdraw for months because they knew that the schism happened. Was, Could be. You know, was happening. Prigozhin started complaining about not getting enough, uh, you know, ammo and artillery shells and artillery support. Uh, yeah, months ago. So it could yeah. be that was part of the way. Now, as for Bakhmut itself, I should just we we, we got to go because that was the the snooze going off. But um, uh, just update last week. As of last week, 
Ukraine had launched this local counteroffensive, had made progress on the northern and southern flank. Um, that progress has somewhat continued, not at the same velocity. So I wouldn't say the momentum has been sustained. But meanwhile, within the city of Bakhmut, things are moving in the other direction. Russia has just about chased uh, Ukraine completely out of the city itself. So you've got on the flanks, Ukraine moving east in the city, Russia moving west. Uh, you still don't have, you know, not quite at the point where you kind of have a vertical line in terms of where the battle line is from north to south, but you're getting closer to that. Um, and so I don't know, uh, you know, it, it got, you know, some people have looked at what happened and speculated, uh, although these were mainly probably pro-Russia people, but it's not crazy that uh, the, 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 the offensive on the flanks was actually designed to prepare the way for an orderly retreat from the city by moving Russian troops further away the, from the road that you use to withdraw. Because it's true that just at about the same time of the counteroffensive, Ukrainian troops started losing ground at a faster pace within the city, withdrawing, whatever. So anyway, that that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what happens next. I, I don't, I don't think Ukraine has the resources to now because uh, they have not moved any of the fresh troops that are that are for the count the offensive per se into Bakhmut apparently, and so they don't currently, I think, have the resources to encircle Bakhmut. Uh, but Bakhmut's just a PR prize of that now, right? Yeah, so there's almost it, nothing it, left standing. It, it's uh, if, and it's not a strategic significance. So if 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 they you know if if the Ukrainians can lose Bakhmut but yet have some other counteroffensive that gives them a good story that day. You know, it's it's it neutralized. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I think it'll be I don't know if we'll ever have a clear enough understanding of what the losses were on both sides. They were considerable on both sides, human and material resources expended. Um, there are reasons that uh, most people, I think, have been thinking it wasn't a good idea on Ukraine's part. I don't know how many have changed their mind over the last week. Uh, but um, anyway, it looks like. As of now, it looks like Bakhmut is the city per se is Russia's, and they're not going to. In the media, in the if you look at the media, at least the media I read, the the tone is Ukraine on the brink of victory. In Bakhmut, everywhere, total the total picture of the war is Ukraine on the brink of. Well, the the broader offensive. The broader offensive hasn't even started, and 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 Russia has had these. You know, it's hard to say with what you get through Western media. I mean, you probably haven't heard about these ammo dumps getting hit by Russia, which are non-trivial. Uh, the um, and then there's this whole question of uh, there was this barrage of missiles that tried to take out one of the two Patriot systems that are there. It did hit it and damage it, and maybe Russia's happy that it's figured out it can do that, but it apparently didn't take it out. I, I, the U.S. says it's been repaired. I don't know. There's a lot going on, but but it's parrot room time, I think. Um, yes. Now, Mickey, I should say, you know, last week, first of all, we made this appeal uh, to people on YouTube to smash the like button if yeah if they like either one of us. I think very few people like both of us. Um, apparently, it worked. Uh, there were we we got really thank you. We got more likes than usual. That brought more views than usual. Uh, so a non-trivial number of people like at least one of us. It may be all you. But um, so we thank them and we encourage them to smash the like button again. Uh, we also encourage them to go to patreon.com slash parrot room uh, where well, we take the gloves off. Which Republican candidate are you? That would be a good uh, BuzzFeed topic. <laughs> Wait, um, how does that work? You mean, wh I don't know. who are you most are you, like? Are you, are you a humorless autist and you're Ron DeSantis? Are you a... Bloviating egomaniac? Are you an overbearing, overweight, uh, effective counterpuncture? You're Chris Christie? Are you a software genius? That's probably you. A web genius. Uh, Wait, who's the I don't know what genius? I am. Oh, oh, what's his name? Ramaswamy? No, the North Dakota guy whose name we keep forgetting. Uh, uh. And um, for all I know, he's going to be the next president. He'll be the Jimmy Carter of this race. Um, We'll figure that out. In the room. Uh, 
And we'll we also, also talk about other stuff. We have the debt to talk about. We have a Robert Putnam oh, essay to talk about. We have this Peter Thiel interview, which I think you'll is interesting to talk about. We have Peter Thiel and Epstein. The, that connection has finally been made. Uh, we have... Uh, oh, has it? Yes. There's also Immig more There's also more on the uh, Botstein, Epstein, yeah. Yeah. and Noam Chomsky, Epstein. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that. You can help me on that. The, the, the Peter Thiel one is easily... Well, it, it, it's not that damning, but he's in his appointment book. But we can talk about that. Um, uh, there's... Uh, the the uh, the debt deal that I mentioned the debt deal yeah at it, least as many times as was optimal from a from a money making point it, of view it, yes smash the like button button before you yeah, realize uh, that we're going to yeah. talk about the debt deal but it'll be quick um I'm and I'm uh, there's an important point about income inequality that's always a crowd pleaser mm -hmm. you saw this movie I was pushing twelve monkeys so you'll probably rip it to shreds we'll discuss it. Tucker Carlson. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's enough. I could talk about more AI. I, I've got, uh, I know, I, I, I'm I obsessed with this issue. Um, we'll well, talk about be. tons of stuff. Um, and uh, so we will, we will uh, see folks oh, there. Yeah. I have, a, I have a, a, two items for our woke watch. Mm, good. So there. Good. That'll give us some uh, debt deal relief. <laughs> we won't talk about the debt deal debt for long. Relief. I promise. I promise. Okay. All right. All right. Not much debt deal. Okay. Just on to the paragraph. See ya.